Hi, everyone. I'm Ashley McManus, Director of Marketing at Affectiva. Welcome to Affectiva Asks, a human-centric AI podcast, where each episode we will interview a thought leader doing cutting-edge work in the AI space. A little bit about us, Affectiva is the pioneer of Emotion AI, software that can detect nuanced human emotions, complex cognitive states, behaviors, activities, and interactions. And Affectiva is applying this technology to optimize brand content and media spend by measuring consumer emotional responses to videos, ads, and TV shows unobtrusively and at scale. Today's episode features Lizzie Pritchard, Associate Director at the Australia-based research and analytics agency, Nature. Lizzie has a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's in forensic psychology. She is fascinated by human cognition and behavior, which is what drove her to pursue a career in market research. After her first market research role at Cantar Miller Brown in 2013, she's now an experienced quantitative researcher with a track record of helping clients grow their businesses with data-driven insight and consultancy. In our interview with Lizzie, we discussed her background and current research projects at Nature, their integration with Affectiva, and had some great advice around understanding and leveraging content engagement and viewer behavior for brands and market researchers. Let's listen in on her interview to learn more. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. With me today, I have Lizzie Pritchard, Associate Director at Nature. So Lizzie, thank you so much for making the time to speak with me today. A pleasure. Thanks for having me along. Absolutely. So to start, let's talk about your background. How has your career path taken you to nature and what is your current role? Absolutely. So academically, my background is in psychology. Um, I found it so fascinating learning about how we think and why we behave in certain ways. And it was way back then at uni that I got a real taste for conducting my own research studies. Um, Doing that was a huge part of both my undergrad and my master's degrees. And I really enjoyed it. So I decided that I actually wanted to make a career out of it. When I finished up at uni, I had a look around all the possibilities and how I could actually use that and discovered that, well, there was a whole industry that researched people. (laughs) So fast food for a few months and I landed my first market research role at what was then Millwood Brown, um, which is now Kantar, of course. So I was based in the London office in the UK for the first about four years. And then I transferred to the Sydney office in Australia um, and was there for a further year. So over that time, I learned a lot thinking about things like how brands grow, how advertising works, the media landscape, um, how we go about measuring success of all those things, and ultimately how we can use research to help clients grow their businesses. Um, but a little while after I moved to Australia, a, a local Australian agency called Nature caught my eye. So they had a reputation for doing really great work. They had a really smart team um, and this amazing collaborative culture. And they had a solid team of consultants uh, down in Melbourne, but they were just about to open an office in Sydney, which of course presented the perfect opportunity for me. Um, so I was the first Nature Sydney hire. Uh, and here we are almost two years later. So I'm an associate director uh, in the Nature Sydney team. There's currently three of us based in Sydney. Uh, there's James, who's our managing director um, and a partner of Nature. Um, we've also got uh, a great consultant called Michael in our team as well, who's been with us for about a year. Um, and at this point, we are at the very exciting stage of building out the team. So we've got a couple more people joining us in um, about a month's time as well. That's awesome. So exciting when you can grow like that. That's amazing. Yeah, um, very. So for those who are unfamiliar with nature, can you explain bl- briefly what your offerings are? 
Of course. So Nature is a strategic insight, insights-based consultancy that helps clients make business and marketing decisions using data from a whole range of sources um, and leveraging the latest technology wherever we can. Uh, we were named BNT's Research Agency of the Year in back in 2018 and again in 2020. Um, and we've been recognized on a global stage for the commercial results derived through the insights work that we have delivered. Thinking about our client base, well, we've got a really diverse book of clients. So local ones, global ones, private and public sector. And alongside that, we do a really diverse range of work as well. So everything from foundational research like segmentation, choice modeling and market sizing all the way through to things like pack testing and tracking of brands yeah, um, and communications performance as well. And Something that we really pride ourselves on is the fact that all the research that we do is custom designed around the brief that a client comes to us with. Yeah. Um, and we leverage multiple data assets and inputs, essentially whatever is relevant for that particular brief or business issue. And we avoid, I guess, black boxes or proprietary or off-the-shelf products. So we like to, I guess, think big and, and problem solve and debate and consult to get to the best possible solution for, for clients. Yeah, definitely. So, and I'm curious with your, your knowledge and expertise, what would you say the biggest challenges are for those who are working in the advertising space today? Well, here's hoping that 2021 doesn't prove quite <laughs> as challenging as 2020. Yeah. Um, but yes, of course, there's, there's a number of challenges and there's a few things that just spring to mind immediately. Um, of course, we've got, you know, a potential recession looming in countries all around the world. So with that, it will be tough to protect marketing budgets. You know, we've typically seen in the past that marketing budgets do shrink in the times of uncertainty, but there's a whole heap of data from lots of different places that show that, of course, advertising helps protect brands through times like these. Um, and then, I mean, there's the task of staying relevant and effective with um, the, the whole e-commerce piece continuing to ramp up with everything that's happened over the last year. Um, and finally, and I think very importantly, there's this whole piece around navigating what is continued uncertainty. So, of course, uh, businesses and consumers, we're going to continue to experience disruption into this year. Uh, and I think it's true that often old habits do die hard. I think some behaviours have changed fundamentally and likely won't return to what they were pre-COVID. So, you know, through this whole thing, we've been pushed to trial different habits, different brands, different categories. Um, and that means that what we used to know about, you know, customers or the market before just might not hold anymore. So whilst, of course, that is a, that, that is a challenge, it's yeah. also a huge opportunity for, I guess, advertisers and marketers and, and businesses as a whole to go back and reassess and revisit their strategy and, and do some relearning about their customer base and the market more broadly and, and come out all the stronger for it. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely makes sense. So so I'm sure you know, and to give context for those listening, Affectiva has applied Emotionate Tech to measure ad effectiveness by analyzing consumer reactions, engagement, and emotional responses to video advertising for the past eight years. Um, so through our work with uh, 70% of the world's largest advertisers and 28% of the Fortune Global 500, Affective has amassed this, you know, massive database of 53,000 ads tested. I think we're up to 10.4 million consumer responses in 90 countries. 
We actually just published a report on those findings. If listeners want to check that out, I'll throw it in the uh, episode description. But bringing it back to you guys, how does nature work with Affectiva? You know, what kind of value have you gotten or what kind of results have you seen from Affectiva's technology? Yeah, absolutely. So at nature, we love to use technology, um, as I mentioned, to uh, essentially augment the survey research wherever we can. And one of those technologies that we often turn to is affective facial coding. So the typical way that we would leverage that is for ad testing. So that might be a pretest where there's an objective to actually optimize the creative before it goes live or otherwise test an ad when it's already live to help understand why it's performing in market the way it is and create learnings to take forward to future communications development. Mm -hmm. So with this ad testing research, we typically use a set of diagnostic questions um, as survey measures, the results of which we can compare to our own normative database, which tells us how the ad is performing and to some extent why. But affective spatial coding is a fantastic addition to that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we can essentially easily embed it within the surveys that we're doing and then passively monitor and analyze our respondents' facial expressions and emotional response via their webcam when they're watching the ads, all with their permission, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, <laughs> and the output from that ultimately enhance our understanding of um, why the video creative, creatives are performing as they do and allow us to get very granular and, and pinpoint moments of emotional engagement within the ads that we're testing to allow for very specific recommendations for ad optimization on a scene-by-scene basis. Yeah, definitely. And we can't harp on the privacy opt-in consent enough. <laughs> People know they're recording them. This is no secrecy happening. So yes, definitely want to put a pin in that. Okay. So in 2020, Nature published a paper and presented it at the Research Society's conference called Facing 2030. There's actually a great YouTube video presentation on it. And again, we'll add a link so people can take a look. But I was wondering if you could take us through this paper broadly. You know, what were you looking to achieve? The research approach, methodology, results, for example, the the virtual reality component I found super interesting. So can you just talk to that a little bit? Yeah, this is a really, really interesting one that we worked on. Um, one of our FMCG clients was came to us looking to conduct research to investigate the impact that or the potential impact that could be delivered by some changes that they were considering to their range of products. And simultaneously, they wanted to understand, um, I guess, how people make decisions within the category in what is quite a complex category to inform their future um, innovation pathways. So there were two separate ways we identified that we could use to look at this. One of them was uh, a methodology called choice modeling through a survey to test how altering various variables, for example, the colors on the pack would impact behavior. And then another traditionally separate way was to actually use VR um, as part of a shopper shelf task to understand how people are making choices at a shelf. So essentially picking people up with a VR headset, um, Mm -hmm. designing uh, a shelf that they would typically see within a supermarket, including the client products and getting them within that VR environment to actually go and shop the shelf and see what they're looking at, um, how long they're spending looking at products, what they pick up and have a look at, and what ultimately what they end up putting in their basket. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're traditionally separate things, but we thought, well, how about 
refused the two to do something really cool. So essentially, we combined the survey data that we would typically collect on something like this with the data that we collected through a VR shelf task to understand, you know, what people are looking at, how long they were lingering, what they picked up and interacted with, how long they spent evaluating various things, whether they purchased it. Um, and what elements of the shelf they were paying attention to, you know, was brand important, was price important, style or, or promotions, for example. And also within that, altering various variables, as we would in a traditional choice model to understand how changes to certain elements actually impacted those behaviors. Mm-hmm. And then with the resulting data, so, you know, actually fusing that survey data and what came out of the, the VR task, we were able to not only inform the way forward in terms of the changes to the ranges that the client was considering, but also then uh, identify how innovation was contributing to actually changing and disrupting behavior at the shelf to, to change or drive greater sales, um, which ultimately informed the, the client's point of sale strategy and also promotional activity as well. Super interesting. And not to put you on the spot, but as you were, you know, putting this process together, publishing the paper, was there anything that surprised you when people were kind of going through this process and doing certain things? Or did it kind of line up with how you expected it to? I think for the most part, it, it lined up how we expected it to. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's always nice when you have two different data sources, you know, for example, you know, system one, system two, or yep. implicit and explicit tasks, and you get the data and it lines up perfectly. Um, and this is one of those ones where it worked out well. Um, and yeah, we've had a few others recently um, where, where, yeah, we're really pleased to see that the two lining up and obviously uh, kind of complementing each other in the outputs that we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing wrong with validation. So that's great. Absolutely. <laughs> so there was a great article in Ad News recently featuring another major study that Nature conducted on content engagement, viewer behavior, and effectiveness of video advertising in the context of broadcast TV. And it was comparing a TV platform company called Foxtel to other TV platforms. And I believe Nature actually deployed Affectiva's technology as part of this project as well. So can you take us through what the study was and how you approached it using Affectiva and what the results were? Yeah, another really interesting one actually that we did last year. So Foxtel Media commissioned us to help them define and substantiate their value proposition that they take to advertisers. Um, there were various hypotheses within their business that the audience was more premium, it was more engaged, and as a result, offered greater value to advertisers um, than perhaps some of the alternatives that were out there. And it made logical sense, given that Foxtel is a subscription TV service, you know, people are paying for what they watch, Mm -hmm. you would therefore expect them to be more engaged in what they're watching. But there just simply wasn't enough data to prove that that was the case and and really solidify that position. So. that's where we came into our approach involves first defining, defining exactly what engagement is, you know, what do consumers think it is, what the media buyers think it is. And we did that through our qualitative ethnographic research. We then, using that agreed engagement metric, measured engagement levels of the Foxtel audience versus others and set to, or set out to unpack the role that advertising breaks played in driving that. So, all up, that actually included two very large-scale quantitative surveys with around 5,000 respondents alongside two implicit behavioral measurement techniques. And one of those implicit measurement techniques was facial coding from Affectiva. And 
in this case, which was, uh, I guess, a, a new uh, or a, a different way of using it than perhaps we've ever done before, was to actually measure attention and emotion whilst respondents were watching one of four versions of a 20-minute show. And the only difference between those four versions of the show was that the structure of the ad breaks within it differed. So, for example, one of the versions had ad break structures that mirrored those that viewers would typically see on Foxtel. And then uh, another one of the versions of that show mirrored the ad break structures that a viewer would typically see on on one of the free-to-air channels that we have here in Australia. So essentially, we were looking to see which ad break structure resulted in the highest level of attention um, and positive emotional engagement amongst the viewers. And the results were really, really positive for Foxtel. So every element of the research, the qual, the quant, the implicit measurement, all said the same thing. Uh, that Foxtel does offer that premium and highly engaged audience that was highly valuable to, to advertisers. And I guess this is another one of those examples of where we had a combination of that explicit and that implicit measurement, um, and they aligned really well and, and told the same story. Mm-hmm. So fascinating. Another question, as you were speaking, I was curious if, because, um, you know, you watch a lot of content and then there was an ad break at like an inopportune time. Did you ever see people being frustrated that there was an ad break or angry? I'm just curious if that kind of came through. Yeah. So actually, one of the formats, uh, one of the ad break structures that we were looking at was what you might typically see, um, I guess, when you're watching content online, where there's a very high volume of yeah. ad breaks. So you, know, you get the one that's beginning yeah. and then you get them every you know five minutes throughout. And that definitely did result in some level of annoyance and also disengagement with the content itself as well. Um, people were just turned off by, by yeah, too much ad clutter, really. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's a way to like optimize for those ad breaks or you know somehow similar to TV where they kind of break at commercials, you know, so they're it, it nicely ties in and gets ready for a commercial. Then maybe there's a better way to make that transition. But I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, it really is. Cool. So uh, also based on your work, if you had one takeaway for the audience listening today, maybe a piece of advice, if there's a brand or an agency, um, what would you like to tell them? I'd like to say, you know, be open to new techniques when it comes to research. I think there's some some really interesting stuff out there um, that can really bring your findings um, to another level and really bring them to life. So always be open to those. I think the counterpoint to that is Sometimes there is innovation for innovation's sake. So it's always worth watching out for that as well. (laughs) Definitely. So for our listeners, can you let us know where they can go to learn more? Or do you have any kind of call to action for them? Yep. So if you'd like to know more about nature and what we do, then you can head to our website, which is natureresearch.com.au. Or, of course, if you'd like to just get in touch directly and have a conversation, then you can always hit me up on LinkedIn as well. Great. Well, that's all I had for you today. Lizzie, once again, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks so much. Understanding human emotion can be central to creating successful brands, customer experiences, and creative content. After all, emotions influence consumer behavior. I really felt like the case studies Lizzie took us through with the Foxtel and her agency's Facing 2030 paper speaks to the real innovation of nature especially how they were able to do work with Affectiva's flexible Emotion AI platform to analyze content in context to replicate the most natural viewing experience as possible. 
So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Affectiva's human-centric AI podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts for new episodes. We're also on social media, so please reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Affectiva to share any feedback you have on the show and weigh in on the discussion using hashtag AffectivaAsks. Don't forget to rate us and comment with your feedback to help make the podcast more discoverable for others. Until next time, thanks for listening. 